Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity that we have to gather together today on Father's Day to celebrate together, to be inspired by your story through Scripture. We just ask that each and every one of us today just have our perspective, our uh, unique perspectives on the world widened, our gaze enhanced, our compassion taken to another level. We just thank you that together through our discussion and conversation and teaching that each of us feel closer to one another and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh man, I do not like standing, so I'm going to sit. It just feels wrong for some reason to me. Um, welcome. If you're new to Bloom, uh, we're pretty casual. We're meeting outside for the summer. Uh, we do discussion-based teaching, so I'll try to teach for just like 20 to 30 minutes, giving perspective and thoughts and really uh, almost like a conversation starter to get us going with, with more. Feel free to uh, dialogue, discuss, uh, add your thoughts to the discussion. Even if you're brand new, uh, what you have to say is important to us. I also changed something this week. You'll notice on the sheet at the very end of the notes, right before June birthdays and anniversaries, they, there's my cell phone number. And so if uh, I was talking to someone this last week and we came up with this idea. Uh, if you have something you want to share but you're not someone who feels comfortable speaking up out loud in front of everyone, but you wouldn't mind someone else sharing, if you text your thought or question to me, it can be anonymous then and we'll let, let it be said. And hopefully that'll get even some more thoughts out from the shire of our group. Um, <laughs> Oh my! Uh, it's Father's Day, and you're already saying dorky dad stuff. All right, uh, but we're thankful for. Oh man, wind! I'm sorry for the. I gotta make this not do that in the wind. All right, um, it's Father's Day. It's my 19th Father's Day. Uh, I was 19 years old when we found out that we were going to have a kid, um, that Amy was pregnant. We were not married. We were only dating for about a year at that point. Knew each other since second grade, but that's where we were at. I didn't, uh, I didn't have a, um, I'm 19 and male. Uh, I didn't have a strong desire to procreate at that age, but it was the best gift probably uh, that I could have received. It changed my life, my perspective, so much stuff uh, so quickly for me. Uh, you know, Amy and I were in Duluth uh, a week and a half ago, and we were walking, it was hot, and we were walking along a creek. Um, Duluth's hilly, and there's some fantastic rivers, creeks that run down, and I didn't realize there was hiking trails down all these. Just, I grew up there and had no idea of these beautiful... Uh, little preserves were right there in the city, even blocks from where I'd been living. And so we decided to hike it one day. And I remember we went down the one side, and you just, you could only see the waterfalls a little bit. Their trees were so filled, and it still was beautiful, but it was such a skewed perspective. I was, I was liking it, but also a little disappointed at the moment. The farther we went down, we found a spot where we could cross, and we actually couldn't go any farther, so we had to cross. And so we crossed there and ended up heading up the other side. And from the other side, it was such a different vantage point from the, this creek, this river, these waterfalls, the peace of it all. Like, I could have spent days 
every 10 steps just gazing at that new perspective, that new spot on the river. But it, it was so amazing that just changing sides of this river changed the outlook and the view of this so much. It just brought this creek, this river, this space alive. And it really was... Um, rejuvenated me. It was part one of my favorite parts of the trip. I just came back feeling like, man, if, if the creek wasn't there, it wouldn't have been the same experience. There's something about looking at things from a different perspective that changes, that changes everything. I, if you watch a sports game, replays are now allowed for uh, the officiants to decide on a play. And you'll see it on TV. You're like, no, there's no way that happened or that was a touchdown and then they show like five different angles and one of them will show that this little pinky toe like slipped in and you're like well I guess that was wrong I didn't see everything from all sides of it and it changes the game completely fans are upset people are whatever but when you're allowed to see the difference when you're allowed to see that change uh, it does something for you and becoming a father for me and I don't like to make cliche messages on Father's Day or any holiday uh, because it's, we're still getting together to be inspired by Jesus. But this one was a little different for me. Um, when Mia was born, I, 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 I didn't really think outside of myself yet. I can't even say I felt... Uh, we hadn't even, when Mia was born, we hadn't even been married six months and uh, I don't even know if I had that kind of connection with Amy yet that was like, I would, I would change the way I do everything just to make sure that you're safe, that the world is okay for you. But having a kid, it changed all that. It was like the way I lived my life was now an example. The way everything I did had implications and, and not just the two adults who loved each other. This was someone we were bringing into the world wanting to change things. I didn't have the best... Um, view of parenthood at the time either and so there wasn't this longing desire oh I've got these great examples to go off of and I'm going to do this it was like how the heck am I going to do this I'm 19 but it, it changed it changed the way I looked at myself in the world I had a perspective shift big time probably the biggest I've ever had but it didn't just stop there the weird thing was that as she got older or as we were around kids the same age all of a sudden I'm thinking that they could just be like Mia. Like, this is, this is another Mia. Like, I've, we got to make sure this kid's safe. That where's, where's their parents right now? What are, what are they doing? All of a sudden, any kid Mia's age felt like my kid, especially if they were a girl since they only had a daughter. It was like, oh, my goodness, this, is, this, this could be my daughter. Like, what's going on here? Where's everyone else? All of a sudden, every kid that was three when she was three was my kid, and now she's 19. And so every kid from birth to 19 is feels like my own, feels like something more there, that I see them not just through the lens of, of mine or as someone else's, but there's this possession, there's this responsibility, there's, there's something more, where are my notes going on here? Um, and growing up, I had what I want to say is even multiple parents, multiple grandparents, people that really took me under their wing to help me grow, to help me learn, to help me develop. These people shaped who I am today, and without them, it wouldn't be the same. I remember my grandfather that I'm named after, Luke, he passed when I was seven years old, and his best friend's name was Andrew Furiel. And we visited Andrew every time we went out to Floodwood, the town my grandpa lived in. And this, this bachelor who was never married, who never had kids, was like 
a grandfather. He loved us in ways that I can't even explain. He would drive to birthday parties, and it would be all kids and Andrew Furials there just to be a part of the thing. And he, he had lived on a farm and had barn cats, and so there was always a bag of cats that came with Andrew Furiel wherever he went. And so, uh, but he just picked up this mantle of father or grandfather and, and ran with it. Um, and it was inspiring. I loved being in a town where the grandmas and grandpas would look at you and be like, son, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're their own, and, and they're there to help steer you and what's going on. There was, there was more than this is just someone else's kid. I don't have to deal with this. There was a possession that came with it. Uh, I had a completely different message planned for this morning. Really, it was good. I liked it. And then uh, something shifted midweek, and I just couldn't, I couldn't break from it. I had to, I had to change. I was inspired uh, to rewrite everything and to start completely from scratch. Um, there was a, uh, the verdict came in this last week for Philandro Castile. And uh, if you've read or heard his mother's statements online, it's, I have never wept for a stranger like I wept on Friday morning and on Saturday morning. I couldn't stop crying. And for the first time ever, someone not me as age felt like my son, even though he's only a few years younger than me. It felt like this was a personal loss. This was a personal responsibility. There was something more to this. And it's not even... Uh, our city lost a son a year ago. It happened a year ago, but we're, July is one year from this. But it, it shows... I just felt the weight of the family's pain, the brokenness of where our society is at right now, that we, we all just want to put... Uh, one trial as, as this example of what was going to be right or what was going to be wrong. We're just going to leave it there. Oh, they, they decided someone wasn't guilty, so everything's on them. Instead of this personal responsibility, there's something more to this. Like I felt the weight of my own interactions causing a St. Paul son to pass away. We need a perspective shift like I had when I had Mia. And it just hit me as I was praying about this because I couldn't stop crying, so all I could do is start praying. And we, we look at God the Father, and we see this example. Jesus comes to earth, and he gives us this new example of what, how to look at God, to see him as a father. And so we see this example, and we look at it, and we've heard messages about God being father to us all the time. And sometimes it's a great example if we had great parents. Sometimes it's a hard example if our parents struggled with learning, but we've got this example that we talk about and we learn from, and that's one way to look at this perspective that Jesus gives us. The second way to look at it is we're called to be imitators of Christ. If you look at your sheet, it says Ephesians 5.1, so imitate God, follow, follow him like adored children, and live in love as the anointed one loved you, so much that he gave himself as a fragrant sacrifice pleasing God. If we look at Ephesians 1 in the message, it's, it's got a little title to this, verse 1 and 2. It says, wake up from your sleep, which I can't tell you how much that even reminds me of these hashtags, stay woke, or this, like, we need to, we need to change our perspective. Something needs to change here. And it says, watch what God does, and then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents 
Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. So he gives us an example to imitate him. Well, he, we give this example that, that God is a father. We're supposed to imitate fatherhood, parenting, society around us. This is the flip side of it. Not just he's my father, but I'm supposed to father like him now. I'm supposed to see the world the entire world as the children of God and, and my responsibility. I just read an article this last week. It's, it's still almost 40,000 children die daily of malnutrition. 17,000 of them are under the age of five. But if you go all the way to age 19, it's almost 40,000 kids don't have enough food every day. Yet, I'm bartending and on Thursday night and we've got a corporate event and we throw so much freaking food in the garbage, so much food because they ordered way too much. At home, I'm throwing avocados away because I was sure I was going to eat them and be healthy this week and then they just turn mushy and ah, who wants to eat a mushy avocado? So there it goes. I remember as a kid, my dad would always be like, oh, there's starving children in other worlds that would eat that. You better eat that up and so you get this bad connotation until you're a father and you're like, shoot, there are starving kids in other countries that would eat that. It doesn't mean that I should shovel it in more, but maybe I should have watched how much I bought. Maybe I should have made, been careful about how I did this, or maybe the money from that avocado could have done something for someone else instead of just going bad in my fridge and turning into something else. We get this new perspective that we're supposed to see the world as our own. Everyone in it can be our children. We see these examples in the New Testament of being a part of the family of God, all becoming mothers and fathers and brothers and, and sisters. And we see the brothers and sisters all the time. We'll see here exam examples. And uh, Brother Hogan, thank you for coming this morning. Or Brother Doug brought the wine and the bread. Thank you, Brother Doug. And brothers and sisters are one thing, but when my brother screws up, I'm like, God, that guy was an idiot. But when Mia screws up, I'm like, oh my goodness, how can I help her? Like, there's, there's something different between brothers and siblings. I'm a kid. I'm a child. I have fathers. But I'm also a father. I, I have both sides of this cone. I have brothers and sisters in the world. And I have children. And we're supposed to see and kind of envelop and let our minds come to a bigger understanding. I spent a lot of time meditating on being the father of Philandro Castile these last couple days. I let this image burn into who I was and what happened because I wanted to take responsibility. I wanted to personally feel the heart of God, feel the effects of just ignorance, really, of just going about our lives worrying about just me. Instead of taking this cue, this example of being a father like Jesus has given us. And what a better day, Father's Day, to, to say, like, what if we started to look beyond this? What if we stopped just pretending that we were all kids and brothers and sisters and started taking responsibility for what was around us? What if we lived like God or like Jesus lived? What if we did that? How different would things look? I was talking to Katrina this morning. I just felt the weight of, of Christianity missing the mark the last few days. Like, just we're, we're playing church sometimes. And it's, we're, it, we're doing 
a really good job of making sure that we feel loved by God, but that, that responsibility, that, that next step that says, hey, let's, you finally get your eyes off yourself. You don't have to worry about heaven. Jesus is taking care of that for you. So extend your gaze to others. That's sometimes where we need some coaxing. We need some inspiration. We need something else. Isaiah 54, 1 through 3. Fantastic passage I found. The Eternal One says, Sing, childless woman, you who have never given birth. Raise a joyful shout, you who have never gone through labor. You whose husband is dead will bring forth much more than the fertile one who has a husband. Enlarge your house. You are going to need a bigger place. Don't underestimate the amount of room that you'll need. So build, build, build. You will increase in every direction to fill the world. Your offspring will take over nations. Your people will revitalize long-abandoned towns. Your offspring. It starts to give us this view that if we look at it in a certain way that the world can be seen as our children, as our family, as something greater if we're willing to enlarge our gaze to the world, if we're allowed to get it that big. I once was a part of a church that used this sentence as a like, build bigger houses. Jesus can be pouring money down you. Let the money rain. It's why I thought of it. It's For some reason, this verse came to my mind when I was praying. I'm like, what does that verse say? What's going on here? And I look it up. I'm like, this isn't about a bigger house to run around in with a rolled gold chains and enjoying plenty. It's enlarging my tent to increase, to, to see others as a part of it, to see the whole nation, the whole world be able to be enfolded in what I consider as family, as what I consider as part of my life, as what I consider dear and precious. And I think of all the people that I think back to like the beginning where I told you like I, I didn't ask for kids. It, it was something that, that was given to me. But there's people I know that would love to be parents, that would love children. There's the Andy Furiel in my life who, who wanted to find the right woman and get married and have kids and he wasn't given that yet he still took the opportunity to enlarge his tent, to enlarge his gaze and to become a parent nonetheless. I think of the Debbies of this world who are fantastic parents, fantastic parents. They're inspiring. They, they, they allow each of us, if we're willing to step into that, to lead a life that is so much bigger than the one we have now. But let's not wait until uh, we're older than we are today. Let's, let's do this tomorrow. Uh, when I was in Costa Rica, we had a friend who, anytime we wanted to do something fun, she said, in Austria we have this saying, that uh, we'll never be this young again, so why not? And, and so we'll never be as young as we are today again. Why not choose this moment to say, hey, how much bigger can I think of these things? Where can I go with this? Your offspring. John 17, 21 through 23, we start seeing this unity that's talked about over and over and over again in the New Testament. He says, Father, may they all be one as you are in me and I am in you. May they be in us, and for by this unity the world will believe that you sent me. All the glory you've given to me, I pass on to them. May your glory unify them and make them one as we are one. In them, I in them, and you in me, that they may be refined so that all will know that you sent me and that you love them the same way that you love me. I think of my mom crying as a kid when she would think about people who 
didn't have the peace of being in a good relationship with God. Just She'd cry, just saying, man, I wish more people knew about Jesus. This passage tells us if we start seeing each other as one, if we start acting in unity, that the world will know who Jesus is, will know of God's love. There's passages that start talking about this family of God and this unity that says people won't even be able to see Christ in his fullness unless we're all taking our place, unless we all step into this unity and join this family and take our spot in this greater family. Then God will be able to be seen by all. The kingdom of heaven, he talks about it beginning when he was here and we're invited to expand this, but he talks about this unity and this seeing each other's family and being a part of the body of Christ as, as part of this happening. There's this, uh, this collectiveness, this unity that when we're all together, when we're all starting to demonstrate this, this is when we get to experience God. I hear friends that talk about, like, I've never felt God's presence. I've never, but they've never also been a part of a community or been a part of a, a group that tries to together unify to become Jesus. Because we can only show such a dim glimpse just on our own, but together we show such a clear picture. And if we let that together expand around the entire globe and see all people as children of God, as he describes them, as the ones that he loved, his beloved, that he chased after, if we take that mindset, if we allow ourselves to enlarge our heart, to have compassion that way, how much more is the world going to see Jesus? Peacemakers is the other part of the kingdom that he talks all the time. We're called to be peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9, in the voice says, Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called the children of God. There's something about being seen as the family of God that comes with this mark of being a peacemaker. But I want to read from the message. It says, You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are, your place in God's family. It's in this creating peace, in this creating unity, that we discover who we are in God's family. Not just a child of God, but a father or a parent, or a mother to all around us. Peacemaker to all. So how do we do this? Where do we go from here? It's Father's Day. We want to be inspired. Uh, we want to thank those who have been parental figures in our lives until now. But most of this stuff starts internally. It starts with thought. It starts with where we're going with these things. We need to start seeing all things as interconnected. If it's all our family, if it's all our children, if it's all our brothers and sisters, and our actions mean something. We can't just think we can keep going on the same way and that nothing's going to change. It started with the avocado for me going bad and, and going into the garbage and hearing about all these children who are going without. My action of just buying too much because I have the money and can buy too much food is causing there to be lack somewhere else. My wanting cheap, fashionable clothing, and so I'm only willing to pay that, which is forcing companies to come up with cheap, fashionable clothing, which is forcing them to get it overseas, which is forcing them to have little children making these clothing for like a dollar a day because no one else will do it. My actions are causing my children, if I see it this way, to lack somewhere else in the world. I remember me, I had this, this quick job opportunity a couple years back stapling pages together for this company. Someone asked me, do you know anyone who's looking for quick work? We need someone to work for like one or two weeks. We're going to pay them like 15 bucks an hour to remove staples and scan all these documents in so they're all digital. And I'm like, I can find someone. And me and a friend were looking for a job and they're like, we want to do this. And they show up and they see their age 
And they're like, oh, you're only 18 years old. And they're like, yeah, we're going to only pay you 11.50 an hour then because of your age. Because they're going to remove staples any less than someone who was 30 of qualified staple remover. I was kind of pissed. Yet at the same time, my sense of wanting things so dang cheap is causing someone else's child to work for dirt cheap somewhere else. I'm not seeing the whole picture. I have not enlarged my tent to include the whole world. I'm not thinking through my actions and what they're causing. The interconnectedness of our thoughts, our actions, and the pain and the suffering that's happening in the world. One thing begots the next, begots the next. It just keeps happening. Um, I have friends who uh, have recently uh, bought guns to protect their family, and they're excited about it. And I am completely against weapons being used for peace at any point. I love those t-shirts, and I know they're racy, but it says, war cannot cause peace as much as sex can cause abstinence. We, 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 we cannot be looking to be peacemakers by going about these things, and we can't just tolerate it as a, well, it's an American right. It is an American right, but what is the Christian response to this? What is the product of our results and our thinking in doing this? First off, you're not trusting God if you're trusting your Glock. You're not trusting his way that says peace will provide more than resistance will. I, my heart breaks this last week. Uh, $110 billion the U.S. government sold weapons to Saudi Arabia for. $110 billion dollars we sold weapons for. Do you know that studies have shown that the amount of ice cream we eat in this country in a year, in the, the United States of America, only the amount of ice cream we consume could solve world hunger because that amount of money could provide for food for the whole world. Yet we're doing arms deals to promote peace in a region that's not peaceful. $110 billion. Something should click inside of us and say, this is not peacemakers. This is not, we're headed in the wrong direction. The results of this, if we, we put our fist in the water, it makes a wave, and that wave will ripple, and it keeps going out. It has effects that keep going. We'll see the effects of, of this last week's transaction. Our grandchildren will see the, refle- the, the, the substance that, that this produces. We're called to be peacemakers. The police are called to be peacemakers to serve and to protect, to be that example of what's going on, yet they're nervous and so they carry guns. And so our example is we need to carry guns. Where in Britain, all my friends think it's crazy because their cops don't have guns on the street. They have a billy club. That's all they have. And it's rare that they use the billy club. They're able to disarm situations because they're trained that way. But we're so used to a certain way of life, the American way of life, that we don't start to say, is this God's kingdom? Are we producing the kingdom of God or is this completely opposite of everything Jesus told us to do? We're the father of all. Can we look beyond what's going on and see there's something bigger here? This pseudo-grandfather of mine, oh, I shouldn't say pseudo, Andy Furiel, I found out a story when I was talking to my dad about grandfathers that went to war. And uh, Andy Furiel was a conscientious... um, whatever you call it, against it. And so he joined um, 
objector, that's the word, yeah. Uh, he joined the F's, I forget the acronym, uh, and became an ambulance driver in World War II. And so he would go into the cities that were being bombed while they're being bombed. He would drive to the center of what's being bombed, and he would take out women and children and families in trucks so that they could be safe. And so instead of fighting in the war, he joins this force that's going to go into the middle of destruction to pull out people that are in harm's way. What an amazing example. And I just hear of this story weeks ago. Uh, he's passed now. I can't talk to him or thank him, but it's Father's Day. And so I feel thankful for that example that I've been given, that example of how to be a father to many. Those weren't his kids. Those weren't his wives. But he was in there, in the thick of it, no matter what was going on, doing something different. So it's going to cause us to start thinking differently, to start producing different actions and seeing the results of that. The second is it's easy to assign blame, but what it's asking from us is responsibility. Good parents take responsibility. We don't just say, well, it was the school, or it was the kid, or it was that other kid. You just sound dense. Everything has a part to play in this, and we need to take our responsibility and do something about it. It's not just the government or the judicial system, or the police system that failed. It is us who have been failing. We need to do something different. We need to, to demonstrate. And I think way too many times, as Christians, it's so easy to just say, well, someone else is in charge of that, so I won't worry about it. We've put them in charge, and so whether they do a good job or bad job, it can be their fault because they're in charge. I don't, I'm not in charge of that. Bullcrap! This is our planet. This is our world. This is supposedly the kingdom of God that we are supposed to steward, that we are supposed to watch over, that we're supposed to do something about. Let's start seeing something different. Let's start acting a little different. Let's let Father's Day inspire all of us to see the people around us with a parental lens, with a heart that that could be my child, that the, whatever's going on, whether it's poverty or injustice or lack of education, that we can do something about that. If Mia wasn't learning how to read or write in school, I didn't just blame the teachers. I taught her how to read and write at home. If there's kids in our neighborhood who don't have what they need, we can step in and provide those things. That's what the church used to do, and it's what we need to get back to doing things like that. Um, I'm sorry that this is Father's Day and this is a little poignant, but you know what? It's my 19th Father's Day, so I'm going to do whatever I want today because I feel it. I can't. I, we got to speak about it. We need to lament together, to mourn the place we are, but it, it needs to come from a place that, will, that the tears will inspire us to look differently at the person who is our neighbor, at the person who walks beside of us, at the person who flips us off at the traffic light and almost hits your car as they go by. Hurt people, hurt people. What's going on in their life? What do they need prayer for? What's, this is not just you in an isolated bubble that things are happening to. It's our world to do something about as a community, the we in this message, we need to live this out. Those around you, like look around you today, these, these are our family. These are our mothers, our brothers, our sisters, our fathers. This is, this is supposed to be family. And it's not just supposed to end here. It goes to our workplaces and our communities. And it should expand our tent to the entire world, this part that we see. Uh, those around you, if they're suffering, if they're in pain, that pain is your pain. If they're having successes, that success is your success. It's a we, not just an I, not just a them, not just a someone else. If someone's having financial problems in this room, it's our financial problems. If they can't meet the rent, it's not like, a, oh, she, 
good luck. I'll be praying for you. It's what do I have extra to make the rent? If, uh, and then if we only let this ex- extend here, this is the incubator. This is where we learn. This is where we make mistakes. This is where we grow. But if we don't let it extend beyond this, like what have we really done? A, a bubble that beyond this, we don't even realize what's happening in the world around us. This is to inspire us to go beyond this. This is to train us to do more. Um, as each of us takes our place in the family of God, as each of us looks to be a peacemaker and takes up the mantle of unity, it changes so much perspective. It changes the air we breathe. You can feel it. You can feel a room that's peaceful and you can feel a room that's tense. And we can provide something different. We can look at people who've had injustice happen and really look in the eyes and put ourselves in their shoes and feel their pain. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, this is uh, Peace is Every Step. I, I love his wisdom. He says the word comprehend is made up of the Latin words cum, C-U-M, which means with, and prehender, which means to grasp or to pick up. And so it's something that we grasp, we pick up, we own, and we become one with it. To comprehend what has happened, we need to become one with the situation. That's becoming the mother, that's becoming the father, that's becoming one with it and saying, man, I finally comprehend, I can do something about this. We've got such an amazing opportunity. Jesus says, if we live this way, we don't even have to tell the world. The world will know of my love and who I am. It just happens naturally. I have no idea even how much time I spent on this. I'm sorry if I went too long. Let's pray quick and go into discussion. Uh, Jesus, uh, happy Father's Day. Um, We just pray right now that you just enlarge our perspective. This is something that only you can do. This isn't something we're mustering up on our own, so we invite you right now. And if you invite him, I do just sense an opening inside your heart that you invite your heart to grow, your compassion to grow, your perspective to grow, to include others as family, as your own. We invite this into our community, into our life. Help it be the fabric that knits us together, that helps people see the love of Christ in a different way, helps them experience the kingdom of God. We just ask that through discussion, we all grow and learn and become closer together in Jesus' name. Amen.